Chapter 8, First Rose of Spring Jamie sat on the front porch of her house and wrapped her jacket tighter around her. It was spring and name only, a cold one this year. George Jones circled the same route through the yard he took multiple times a day, sniffing to see if there were any updates since that morning. She'd moved mechanically through the last month, almost like she had after her separation, and then Hank's death running on the treadmill at the gym on campus, teaching, grading, texting Amanda, meeting with the Titus II ladies, and coming home to George. At Libby's suggestion, she took her Bible with her and read through a chapter each morning before getting on the treadmill to think about what she'd read. She felt like she was growing in knowledge, but her heart hadn't caught up with her head. She was angry with Webb for being angry with her and for going radio silent, and she had to admit she was angry with herself for the same thing. She knew they should have talked it out, but they both had stubbornly retreated to their separate corners. Separate yards, separate houses, separate lives, she thought. Both of them unwilling to take the first step towards making things right. She'd finally acquiesced and gone to dinner with Tanner one night at a local meet-and-three. He'd brought up the subject of them seeing each other again, but she just shook her head. It's that other guy, isn't it? Your running buddy. Duck, right? Webb, she corrected, as she picked at her mashed potatoes and white gravy. And he's not my running buddy anymore, and there's nothing going on with him. He's just a friend. At least he was. Poor kid, he said. You're really hung up on him. No, no, nothing like that. Right, he smirked. Well, if you ever change your mind, I'm just a text away. They'd enjoyed the rest of their dinner and continued working together as well as they always had. She'd even started having regular lunches with Melody and a couple of friends from work. It wasn't that things were bad here. It's all fine, she thought. Still home, I guess, just not what it was. She sighed. She knew Tanner was right. She missed Webb. She just didn't really want to let herself think about him. She'd thought he had the same feelings for her that she did for him, but she was starting to wonder if she'd read him wrong. Surely not, though, she argued with herself. It had seemed like they'd both been running around their feelings for each other for the last few months. Nothing physical had really happened, but there had been several moments, like the one on her couch and the night before the marathon. She felt like it was a door that, with just the slightest push, would have opened into a familiar but completely redecorated room. She shook her head. She'd lived plenty of years without him. She'd managed just fine again. Since the marathon, she'd kept as busy as possible at work, volunteering for committees, projects, sponsorships, anything that came across her desk, anything to keep her mind occupied. Work had always been good medicine for her. At church, she made sure to come in just as services were starting and leave right before the closing prayer. And she did the same at their weekly group, avoiding anything more than surface-level discussions with Libby. Oh, right, she muttered, glancing at her watch. Thursday night again, Libby's group. George, she called. Come on in, pal. He trotted inside behind her, and she set his food and fresh water on the floor, slipped her shoes back on, and drove the few blocks instead of walking. She looked at her watch again, two minutes early. Maybe I should just sit in the car until it started, she thought. Good grief, what is the matter with me? Can't even make small talk with anybody anymore? She grabbed her phone and keys and walked up the brick path to Libby's. As she climbed the wide porch steps, 
she heard the piano and Martha Ann's contralto voice singing How Long Has It Been. She'd heard Martha Ann sing a handful of times at church, but not since she'd been home, and Jamie had forgotten how she could raise the roof, as Libby used to say. Jamie let herself in and lingered in the hall, leaning against a door frame and letting the music flood over her. Trying to swallow the lump in her throat, she asked herself the questions Martha Ann had just finished singing. How long has it been since my mind felt at ease or my heart knew no burden? Goodness, I don't know, she thought. Since almost never? Certainly not since leaving home the first time. Staying so busy at work had also allowed her to keep from praying as much, and every time she thought about it, she'd just make herself think of something else instead. She had to admit she'd missed it, though, maybe even more than she missed Webb. She'd gotten a taste of talking to God, and it was like the spiritual version of Libby's peanut butter pie. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you, she whispered. There was that KJV again. Martha Ann started into the second verse, and Jamie swallowed hard, sucking in her stomach tightly and willing herself not to cry. She quieted her heart, listened to the rest of the song, and finally started to pray. God, I'm trying to do the right thing here, but everything just really hurts. I'm so confused. Will you help? Martha Ann finished with a flourish of arpeggios, and Jamie heard the other women clapping. Libby walked out from the sunroom towards the kitchen, and spotting Jamie, motioned her back. Biting her lip, Jamie shook her head, pointed to the door, and mouthed, I need to go. Libby looked concerned, but nodded and put her hand over her heart. Jamie wasn't sure why Libby hadn't pressed her for more details over the last few weeks, but she was grateful for the space and to not have to talk about it. What would she have said, anyway? I'm in love with your son, but we had a huge fight and apparently we're both too stubborn to make amends, so I guess that's that. Jamie gave Libby another small wave and drove home with the song looping in her head. She cleaned up from dinner, started a load of laundry, and let George out one more time. Then, feeling a little awkward, she knelt by her bed, something she hadn't done since she was about eight years old. God, I'm drawing near to you. Can I really call you my friend? Is that even possible? She felt an instant peace flood her heart, and it was like a resounding yes echoed through her mind as more words tumbled out. I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry for... For everything, I feel like I've gotten a lot wrong in life, and I'm sorry for all those things that have separated me from you. I think I told you that once a long time ago, but I feel like I need to say it again and really mean it now. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your patience, for everything. She stood and walked to the stereo she'd gotten in the habit of turning on before she went to bed to fill her nights with the white noise of classic country music. She reached for the button, but decided, for the first time in weeks, that the quiet felt more peaceful than disconcerting. The next morning, Jamie drove through the barely brightening sky towards the gym. After praying the night before, she'd woken more refreshed and encouraged than she had felt in months, like the day really was worth living. Starting to get light earlier, she thought. It'll be warmer soon, too. As she drove across the Tennessee Valley Authority Reservation, the sun reflected off a sign for the old rock pile trail. She and her dad had walked here occasionally when she was younger, and it was a popular spot for high school senior portraits. It had been a while, but if her memory was right, it would be a good place for a run. 
On a whim, she turned into the parking lot where the trail started. Yeah, why not run outside today, she thought, pulling up Dolly Parton's light of a clear blue morning to go with her first sprint. It was still chilly in the mornings, but bearable, a lot warmer than the day of the marathon, and she found herself wondering if Webb was still running his usual routes. She reminded herself it didn't matter what he was or wasn't doing, and added the grass is blue to the playlist. Jamie threw on a ball cap that was in the car, zipped her jacket, and hit the pavement. She followed the path that wound through the still bare trees, dodged a squirrel, and tried to remember the last time she had been on this trail. She passed a turtle, several rabbits, and even spotted a possum. Webb would like that one, she thought. Then frowned, pushing him out of her mind again and falling back into her habit of pounding the ground beneath her in frustration. Then she turned a corner on the trail and suddenly found herself face to face with the Tennessee River. The morning sun shimmering over it made patterns of light dance through the tree branches, and Jamie stopped to jog in place. The water was completely still that morning and as dark blue as her daughter's eyes. Wow, God, she prayed. You did some good work there. She continued running the part of the trail that followed the river upstream, and her eyes kept returning to it. Before she'd moved to Connecticut, winter had always been her favorite season. You could see more through the bare trees. The sky always seemed a little bluer, and she liked the bite in the air, at least Alabama's version of it. But she had to admit, the hint of warmth in the spring breeze felt hopeful today, and she couldn't help smiling when she saw a couple of early blooms on some of the trees. Spring could be really nice this year, she thought, especially if it's as pretty as this. Well, God, we might as well keep talking and continue our conversation from last night, huh? Can I just tell you I'm missing him so much? I'm still angry with him, too, and frustrated with both of us, but something's going on that's more than that, isn't it? I think I've I've maybe relied on him in a way I shouldn't have. I think maybe I've been relying on him in a way I should have actually relied on you. Oh, God, you know, Libby says she hears you almost as clearly as if you're in the room. I'd I'd like to hear from you, too, especially on this. What do I do? As she reached the highest point of the trail, she felt like she was being baptized in the cascading morning sun, and she heard a voice coming more from her heart than her head. Is it enough for you to run with me? She looked around, feeling slightly crazy but also feeling more connected with her creator than she had in a long time. At the top of the dam, where the trail looped back toward the beginning, there was a waterfall that poured off the side of the bluffs into the Tennessee River at the base of the dam. She stared at it for a moment, and she felt like she heard the voice inside her again. Is it enough for you to run with me? Yes, she whispered and nodded. The only race I want to run is with you. Be patient with me, though. Help me run your race at your speed. You set the pace, okay? As she continued running around the trail toward her starting point, she started to feel what Webb had described, a lightness, like the weight of the problem wasn't gone, but was suddenly shared. She felt so forgiven, so whole, that she was surprised to find herself praying for forgiveness for Hank, for healing from the hurt he'd caused over all the years, and for the ability to find hope and joy again. She broke into a huge grin as she finished her run, and by the time she got to the parking lot, she felt like she could have floated home. When she got there, she sat at her kitchen table, 
reading over her contract for the next academic year and trying for the hundredth time to decide whether to sign it or not, whether to stay here or go. She wondered how it would be to stay here without her dad and now possibly without Webb. Your pace, God, right? She prayed softly. Can you give me wisdom on this one? George gave a low bark and shuffled to the back window. She left the contract, still unsigned, on the table and walked to join him, scratching him on the head as she stared at Webb's house. He and Lacey walked out the back door, each carrying a large plastic tub. They put both tubs in her car. She turned and hugged her dad, then she got in the car and drove away. Jamie continued to watch as Webb stood in the driveway long after Lacey's car had disappeared from view. Then he walked to the garden, sat in the dirt, and put his head in his hands. She sighed. She might have been still unsure of their status, but he looked like he needed a friend at the moment, and whatever else they might be, he was her friend first. She opened the back door, walked down the steps of her faded gray porch, past the rope swing where the two of them had spent hours as kids, past her dad's garage and clothesline, and into Webb's garden. He was sitting in the middle of the freshly planted carrots and radishes, skinny arms wrapped around his skinny legs. In that moment, he looked exactly like he had when he was five and ten and fifteen, and she could smell her childhood. Dirt and sweat and gasoline from a lawnmower a few doors down, dewy grass, and dogwoods just about to bloom. She sank down and sat next to him in the garden, shoulder to shoulder, and after a moment, asked, Everything okay? He shook his head. Lacey moved out. We're still okay, sort of, maybe. But she thinks she might want to start dating, and I just don't know how I feel about it yet. She didn't want it to be awkward for me and she thought it was best if she stayed in the dorms for a while. I mean, it's hard enough with all this, but her moving out was one of the last things Taylor and I thought about, too. I didn't feel like she was ready, and now I've been worried about her emotionally with all of this. I like being able to keep an eye on her, protect her. And now I just feel like I've completely messed up everything. She was surprised to see tears streaming down his face. Any lingering frustration dissolving, she wrapped one arm around him, and he leaned his head onto her shoulder. You haven't, she said. Really, it will all work out. It's, it's different, I know. When Amanda told me I didn't have the faith struggle you do, because, honestly, my faith wasn't much a part of my life at that point. It is now, but you and I probably still see some of this differently. But I get that it's still a lot to take in, because it's not you know, necessarily what you expected for their life. As far as just being a dad, I've gotten to know Lacey pretty well over the last year, and you absolutely have not messed up in that department. She loves you so much, she thinks the world of you. You raised a great kid. Thanks for saying that, he replied. But some things happened with Taylor's passing that we've had a hard time getting past. It was my fault, and now this, and I just, I don't know. I guess we can all blame ourselves in a way when, she started. No, it really was my fault, he interrupted, putting his head in his hands and crying harder. Taylor, when she died, it was my fault. I was, I'm sorry, I I can't talk about it. She couldn't picture that being true, but she hated seeing him in this much pain, and she knew she couldn't fix it for him. As many problems as she and Hank had gone through, it still hurt when he died. 
and there was no taking away the pain of the loss of a spouse, no matter how strained the relationship was. Putting her other hand on Webb's cheek, she wiped away his tears. The sides of their foreheads touched as they held each other, and she was surprised to find herself crying with him. He looked back at his house, roughly wiped his eyes, then let out a long breath and rested his head on her shoulder again. She kept her arm tightly around him and wished once more she could take away the pain she knew he was feeling. They sat silently for a few minutes. The morning sun was warm, but it kept darting behind clouds. I have to get to work, she finally said. But I'm here for you, okay? She felt his shoulders relax underneath her arm. Hey, I'm sorry, he whispered. I really am. For everything at the race and everything since and just... Everything. I'm sorry. I've missed you so much. Me too, she whispered. She gave him one more hug and walked back to her house. After the sunshine that morning, clouds had moved in and it had looked like it might rain all afternoon. Fitting, Webb thought, to match the mood. The mood of the last month, in fact. He'd been irritable since the marathon. Everyone from his family to his clients had pointed out. Maybe that was part of the real reason Lacey wanted to go. Now he wondered if this meant she was gone forever, if she'd ever moved back home, or if he was officially an empty nester. Well, that sounds really old, he muttered. He briefly considered spending the night with his parents, but that sounded even more depressing. He just didn't want to be alone in the house while he was missing Lacey so much, and, if he were being honest, still missing Jamie. His anger and frustration with her secrecy had acted as a buffer for the guilt of falling for her, then the guilt of leaving her behind at the marathon. But every time he'd start to reach out to her, he'd find something else to do instead. He couldn't quite make himself press send on the text, or go talk to her at church, or even cross the yard like she had that morning. He reddened as he thought about that moment again. He was relieved the wall seemed to be coming down between them, but he cringed as he thought about how emotional he had been in front of her. He'd never been able to hide his tears as well as his brother's, and it had been a lifelong source of frustration for him. As frustrating as this entire relationship, he thought. He couldn't believe they hadn't really even had a chance to get started when all this happened. Now I don't even know where to start with her, again, or if I even should. He sighed and looked outside. He wasn't hungry, even though it was starting to get dark so he figured he might as well get a little time in the garden before the rain came, if it ever was going to get there. You never knew this time of year which way the weather was going to go. He walked into the garden and took a deep breath, letting the familiar scent of the earth ground him. I don't even know where to start here either, he said to himself. He glanced at his zucchini plants and thought they might could use a little attention. He dropped to his knees and started attacking the weeds. He eventually got most of them uprooted, but there was a particularly stubborn trespasser that tugged back at him. He finally yanked it out, then fell backwards into the soft dirt. Dang it, he muttered, then just sat there another minute, stretching his long legs in front of him. He heard a low rumble of thunder. Dang it, he said more softly. It started sprinkling, and he shoved a handful of dirt back into the hole where he'd pulled up the large weed, threw the rest of the weeds into a brown paper bag, and glanced at the darkening sky as it thundered again. A strong gust of wind sent the bag blowing into the Roman's yard, and as he jumped up to go get it, he saw half of their clothesline fall, and Jamie frantically pulling sheets off the line. 
He ran and straightened the clothesline, then grabbed the remaining bath towels off the line as the sky finally opened and rain started pouring. Just bring them inside, she yelled over her shoulder as she ran toward the house. Thank you. He followed her with his arms full of now damp towels, sprinting up the porch as a huge bolt of lightning hit the tree in her backyard, sending the large branch with the old rope swing crashing to the ground. They both stood on the porch and stared at it a moment, then went in the back door and through the laundry room. She tossed the sheets in the dryer and headed to the kitchen. He kept one towel out and put the rest in the dryer with the sheets, lingering at the door between the laundry room and kitchen. Whoa, she said as she looked out the window over the sink. The rain blew almost sideways through the yard as lightning crackled, and the thunder continued to boom every few seconds. You know, when I was little, I thought I could run between the raindrops, but this is what Daddy would have called a gully washer. You may be stuck here. He realized his hair was dripping, and he wiped it quickly with the towel but stayed at the door. Oh, goodness, Jamie said, looking back at him. You're a mess. I probably am, too. She grabbed a clean dish towel from the drawer and dabbed at her hair and neck. She was still in her clothes from work, and her white tuxedo-style blouse had gotten completely soaked. She opened the refrigerator and bent down to search through the bottom shelf. He leaned against the doorframe and tried to force his eyes to look outside. You want a Coke? She asked from inside the fridge, drawing his attention back to her. No, he responded. She stood, then paused, closed the refrigerator, and turned to look at him for a long moment. Want some coffee? She asked softly. No. They stared at each other until he couldn't stop himself any longer. He took a slow step toward her, then another, walking around the butcher block closer to where she was standing. His head was swimming, and his knees felt weaker than they did after their longest run. The thunder continued to rumble outside, and the rain was coming down in sheets. She was less than a foot away from him. What do you want, Webb? She finally asked. Another bolt of lightning hit outside with a crash, and the kitchen lights faded as the power went out. Years of desire propelled him forward to close the gap between them. His hands went to either side of her face, and he pressed his lips into hers. She froze for an agonizing second, then wrapped her arms around his waist and pulled him closer to her, leaning into his kiss. He'd pictured this moment so many times, but she felt so real, so warm, and so much better than he had ever dreamed. Without thinking, he picked her up and set her on the counter, then yanked her close again. She gasped in surprise. Are you okay? he asked, pulling away slightly and breathing hard. Is this? She put her arms around his neck and pulled him back to her. Yes, I want this, she whispered. I want you. He put his arms on each side of her waist and rubbed her back while he kissed her deeply. He pulled back slightly to tease her lips, then pressed his heart into hers again. She ran her hands through his still damp hair as he moved to kiss her neck. He moved her wet shirt to the side, the top button loosening and he traced her collarbone with his lips, breathing in her perfume, now mixed with the smell of rain. Yes, she murmured. He picked her up again, and her legs wrapped tightly around his waist as they continued to kiss. He carried her into the living room and laid her on the couch, then stretched out beside her, their legs tangled together. The storm had quieted to a soft rain, but the house was still dark. 
He stroked her face, kissed her again, then ran the back of his hand down the length of her body, the woman he had wanted for what felt like his entire life. She shivered, then took his hand and brought it to her lips, kissing each of his fingers. He closed his eyes, soaking in the feel of his hand in hers, and thought, I finally earned this. A low rumble of thunder began to grow again outside as the thought vanished as quickly as it had appeared. Jamie, I love you. I have loved you for as long as I can remember. Do you? I love you too, she murmured, rubbing his neck. Of course I do. But, um, hey, let's wait. Hearing the words he'd wanted to hear from her for so long sent him back to her lips. They were so soft. He had no idea they'd be so soft, he thought, as he kissed her again and again. Her body felt so good next to his. He was aching for her. Overcome with desire, he shifted on top of her again, running his hand up from her waist to the second button of her shirt. She caught it before he could unbutton it, and he could see her grin, even in the dark. But really, hang on, wait. I think either you're going to need to head home, or we're going to have to slow it down a little here tonight she said. Oh, uh, well, I really don't want to go out in this storm, he said, moving to her neck again. Yeah, the weather's terrible, she murmured as he returned to her lips. She kissed him again, then put her hand on his chest. Okay, okay, she continued, pulling away and breathing hard. Then we should, yeah, he agreed, taking a long, deep breath, not wanting to stop for a minute, but knowing She was right. He kissed her gently one more time, then shifted to his side, one arm draped across her waist, the other under his head. I keep telling you, you set the pace, Doc, he said. As long as I'm here with you, I'm happy. They laid on the couch in silence, her curled perfectly under his arm, listening to the steady, soft rain. You know what? She said as she drifted towards sleep. I've actually been trying to let God set the pace these days. The next morning, he walked across the backyard, knowing he had a stupidly big grin on his face. The dew had already soaked into the grass, and the robins and mockingbirds were starting to get quieter after their morning singing competition after the storm. He and Jamie had skipped their run to have coffee, and he admitted to make out a little longer. I just spent the night with Jamie Romans, Webb thought in disbelief. Even though they'd only slept beside each other on the couch, he'd loved kissing her every time he stirred overnight, and he hadn't known how much he'd love waking up beside her, seeing her blink sleepily as the early morning sun shone through the windows, how much he'd love having the first cup of coffee with her and hearing about the meetings she had that day. How much he'd love actually being with her and not just the idea of her. He laughed again and ran his hands through his hair, wondering how he was going to manage to focus at all on his own workday. He headed up the stairs to his bedroom and jumped a foot when he saw Lacey gazing out the window. Well, hey, he said. You're back already? What are you doing hanging out in here? She turned to face him and he thought she looked sweaty. Are you okay? He asked suddenly concerned. Were you over there just now, all night, with her? Um, with Jamie? Well, see, Lace, she... Don't try to deny it, Dad, she interrupted, flushing. After all the lectures you've given me about my behavior over the years, 
all the guilt you gave me about what I'm dealing with now, you go over there and spend the night with her the first chance you get as soon as I'm out of the house, and it's barely been a year since mom. Sobbing, she started pounding the window with her fist. He walked over to her, gently taking her elbow. Lacey, I'm not denying anything. Yeah, I stayed over there last night. I got kind of stuck during the storm and ended up sleeping over there. But nothing happened, at least not what I think you're talking about. But, well, yeah, you and I should probably talk about this. Jamie and I, we're, um, yeah, I guess we can make it official. We're seeing each other. She wiped her eyes and stared at him defiantly. You said you'd tell me first. Yeah, I did, he replied. I'm sorry about that. She and I haven't talked much since the marathon, and we finally got a chance to last night. It all happened kind of unexpectedly. I would have talked with you first if I'd known it was coming. Now, can I hug you? Still crying, she nodded, and he hugged her gently. I like her so much, she said, and I don't want to see her get hurt the way Mom did. He sighed. Oh, Lace, I didn't mean to hurt your mom. I'm so sorry. I've said it a million times and I'll say it a million more, okay? I'm so sorry for what happened that night. Nothing like that will ever happen again if I can help it. I've been trying so hard to make things right and I'm willing to do anything to earn your respect again. Earn God's... He trailed off as he realized how feverish she seemed. She continued to cry and he felt her forehead. Hey, you really do feel warm. Have you checked your temp or your numbers? Don't try to change the subject, she said. I'm not. Look. We can talk about all this later, I promise, but you feel really warm. Will you just let me check it? She sighed and sat on the edge of the bed. Fine, she replied. He walked into the bathroom to get the thermometer and heard a thud. He ran back into the bedroom and Lacey was on the ground. No, 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 he said as he pulled his phone out of his pocket, his hands shaking as he dialed 911. Please, God, please, please, not after, just... Not like this. Don't take my daughter. Please don't take my daughter. I swear. I'll do anything. Just please don't take her. Libby pulled into the parking lot of the Bradshaw Hospital and texted Dale she was there. In the great phone debate, she'd insisted he also get a cell phone in addition to the landline, but he insisted in return on it being a flip phone. Compromise. That's what's kept us together all these years, I guess, she thought, then grinned, thinking of one or two other areas they had in common. She chuckled, then sighed and thanked God for a good marriage. Sometimes it seemed like they were few and far between, and despite their bickering, she knew how fortunate she and Dale were. Grabbing her bag, Libby took the elevator to the fourth floor and found her third son in the same waiting room where he'd been a little more than a year ago. He looks as distraught now as he did then, she thought, taking his arm and frowning. How is she? Libby asked. She's okay he sighed, then took a shaky breath. They're going to keep her tonight, just to make sure everything's fine. Her pump malfunctioned, and apparently the alert did too. Her blood sugar was through the roof by the time she got here. They're getting her settled in a room now. Good. Want to walk with me a minute then? She asked. They headed down the hall, and Libby looped her arm through webs. They walked in silence until they got to the cafeteria, stopping outside, and his head dropped. Mama, I feel terrible. Me too, baby. I know these episodes are so scary for both of y'all. It's not only that, he said. I mean, it is, but we were arguing when she passed out. Oh, well, that happens too. Just bad timing, right? Tears welled up in his brown eyes and she took his hand. Talk to me. What's the matter? 
He rubbed his forehead. I just, I had just been over at Jamie's, he said, his voice breaking, the night before. Lacey had moved out yesterday morning, you know, I told you, but she'd apparently forgotten something, came home, and was waiting for me when I came back this morning. We started arguing about it, and she said she was worried I was going to hurt Jamie like I hurt Taylor, and I didn't mean to, Mama, I never meant that. Libby sighed. I know you didn't mean to, baby. To lose her like that, then to not be able to tell her you were sorry, to make things right, that's got to have still been weighing on you. He nodded and wiped his eyes. The boy sure was eaten up with guilt, she thought. Where her other sons had tried to hide when they did something wrong, Webb never could live with it on his conscience. He'd confessed to everything from stealing a pack of gum to cheating on a test, then punished himself more than she and Dale ever could. Webb had always been as white bread as they come, so Libby could hardly believe it when Lacey had told her he'd been drinking that night. You can make it right with God, even though I can't imagine you haven't done that already. And you have the chance to make it right with Lacey, and now it sounds like you might have another chance with Jamie. He winced as if she'd slapped him. I don't deserve Jamie, he said. Not after what I did. Jamie deserves somebody who'll be strong for her. Somebody she can count on. I let Taylor down right when she needed me most. Yes, you did, Libby admitted, praying that she'd find the right words. You're human. You panicked after her diagnosis and you made a mistake. One that turned out to have terrible consequences, but it doesn't mean you have to keep making mistakes or keep punishing yourself forever. He shook his head. I don't have to punish myself, he said. I was with Jamie last night. I told her I loved her. I finally let myself think I could be with her. And God punished me with this. He gestured back towards Lacey's hospital room. Good heavens, Webb, Libby said. You've been a Christian long enough to know that's not how things work. I thought your faith was stronger than that. What is it Romans 11 says? Have you stumbled so that you should fall? You know you can ask him for forgiveness, but son, you have to be willing to accept it too. And some of that acceptance means acting like you've been forgiven. They walked into the cafeteria and picked up two cups of coffee. It's not like you can just implement a 24-hour rule for grief, he argued. Of course not, but I just want to pay for it, okay? Just pay for it and make it right and you can't. Libby interrupted, then softened her tone. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think you can do that any more than, well, then you can help your feelings for Jamie that started, what, in high school? He sighed and looked at the floor, then back at his mother, the pain radiating out of his damp eyes. Before, she asked. Ever since I can remember, he said, tears now streaming down his cheeks. He roughly wiped them away, then took a long sip of coffee. Oh, darling, she said and squeezed his shoulder. Over the years, I beat myself up that I never told her how I felt. Then I lost my chance when she got married. Then I always felt a little guilty that I moved on and married Taylor anyway. I loved Taylor. Really, I did. But she probably deserved better, too. Someone who would put her first. Stop it, Libby said. You were a good husband to her. You've worked harder than anyone I know. You've been faithful and steady and looked after everybody but yourself. Sure, y'all had your share of struggles, and maybe you did have some feelings for someone else, but you never acted on them after you were married, right? And you did love Taylor? Yeah, I did, he said. I tried to provide for her and put her needs first and do all the right things. Tried to do everything right. Everything. He stopped, ran his hands through his hair, then continued. But Jamie is just... It's always been Jamie. I feel like... Like she's the other half of me or something. But now... And you never told her any of this. Not until last night, he said, reddening. 
It's fine. Libby couldn't help but chuckle at his discomfort. I know my children are adults. Does she feel the same way? Yeah, he said. I kind of couldn't believe it, but she does. But the thing is, man, this is awkward. Thing is, it was Jamie that night too. The night Taylor died. When she got to my office, when I was drinking, I'd been thinking about Jamie. Much I missed her and thinking back on stuff. She was just on my mind that night is all. Oh, probably because of her mom, the diagnosis, Libby finished. Yeah, exactly, he said. And Taylor and I, he stopped. Even though Libby knew more than anyone, there was no way he could tell his mother the full truth about what had happened that night. He ran his hands through his hair again, then continued, his voice wavering. Even though I hadn't acted on my feelings, I think deep down Taylor knew. She knew I loved Jamie. She felt like I didn't love her enough. So, see, I just, I can't get past this idea that I deserve to pay for what happened to Taylor, and I think I have to pay by giving up Jamie. I think that's what God's been telling me in all this. I have to make it right by giving her up. He sat on a linoleum couch that had probably been there since he and his brothers were born in the same hospital, put his head in his hands, and wept. Libby sat beside him and put her arm around him. I'm going to talk real straight to you, Webb. There's a big difference between guilt and conviction. God will convict you when you're wrong, no doubt, but it's always with the goal of restoration, getting you back on track to restore your relationship with him. So that voice inside you, heaping guilt upon guilt after you've already said you're sorry for what you did wrong, that's not his voice. I think you've got a choice here, son. You either forgive yourself after God's forgiven you and live into the full life he's calling you to, giving yourself some grace and letting yourself love again. Or, he asked grimly, or you stay right where you are, she said more gently. Caught half in the past, not really able to move forward into any kind of future. But if that's your choice, you have to stop seeing Jamie. Give her the chance to be with someone else even and keep her far enough away that you go back to not having to deal with your feelings. I'll be honest with you, though, that doesn't sound like much of a life to me. They stood and walked back toward the row of hospital rooms. Libby took another sip of coffee as Webb stared down the hall, blinking back tears. You're right, he said. I know. I have to stop seeing her. Already texted her, told her about Lacey, then said I was sorry, but I couldn't do this. I couldn't see her anymore. You did what? Libby shot back. After you told her you loved her just last night, don't you think she deserved more than a text? William Edward Baldwin Brock, I swear, if I didn't feel so sorry for you, I'd get my switches off the top of the refrigerator and tan your hide. He laughed harshly through his tears as the nurse waved at him from Lacey's room, then wiped his eyes one more time and took a shaky breath. Libby gave him a small smile and a squeeze on the shoulder. I'm glad Lacey's okay, she continued, giving him a hug. And you're going to be too, even though I think you made a bad call on this one. Come on, let's go check on her. I'm going to need your help with this, Lord, she prayed, as much as you're willing to give. Help my son forgive himself as much as you've forgiven him and bring them back together, please. They need each other and they need you.